Where do we typically conduct the business in our lives? Where do we typically conduct the business that we need to in our lives? I want you, this is participatory. So like where, where are some places that we may conduct business today? Bank, okay. Office. Home. That's good, Alicia, that's good. Anybody else? Where? Oh, man, now he's talking, he's talking my kind of business. Yeah, man, a restaurant, a eating meeting. That's good. <clears throat> Absolutely. So this morning I asked you that question because that's kind of setting the tenor and the tone for the text that we're going to study. It, we're we're going to see kind of a, a business meeting, a, a formal business gathering kind of play out in the text this morning. And so if you will, take your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, uh, Lord willing, we'll make it all the way to verse 12. We're not going to make it all the way through chapter 4 today. I'm going to break chapter 4 into two chunks. And so um, let's start. We'll go 1 through verse 6. We'll unpack that, and then we'll do 7 through 12. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and he said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Verse 5, Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you will acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. All right, so let's go back and begin to just unpack this verse by verse, starting in verse 1. It says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down. In essence, the gate at that time, you know, and I asked you this morning, where would we conduct business? And you guys mentioned many of the same that the first service mentioned that we might conduct business at work. Alicia said that we might conduct business at home. And I, and I just want to put a little asterisk beside that and let you know that if Bethel Baptist Church wants to be a church aflame for God that's going to reach its community and going to impact this world, that it first starts at home. Amen? That our walk with Christ, our devotional quiet time, our seeking the Lord, Matthew six thirty three to seek Him first and foremost, it's going to start at home. 
It's not necessarily the power in the preaching and teaching. Yes, that's one aspect of it. But the power and presence of the Lord needs to start first in our homes. And if you're like, okay, I I need some work in that area, so, so do Kendall and I. Okay? So we're, we're not perfect, but we will conduct business at work, at home, in maybe a lawyer's office, in the court, in the bank. As I was writing this question down, originally as I was studying this re- week, I wrote down the courthouse, the lawyer's office, or the boardroom. <clears throat> and so, see here, as he sits down at the gate, I, I want to think, well, what's the gate today? What, what's the gate of the city today? Because you see, this is in essence like kind of like the town hall or the town square. You would have merchants. It's a key area where people are traveling, and there are witnesses. So I began to think, what might the gate be today? Well, you know, we talked about where's one place we conduct business, the courthouse, right? So we might go down to Main Street or Harvin Street now, um, and we might go to the courthouse, and we might conduct business there. But I said, no, 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 let's, let's bring that a little closer to home. And, you know, like when I get ready to go back home and go back into town, uh, right about, right before you get to the Piggly Wiggly, there's a little island and there's a sign that says what? Welcome to Sumter. That could, in essence, be the gate of the city, right? Like that where, where they might have met. But no, I said, no, no, let's, let's bring that a little closer home to Bethel. So you know what I thought about? I thought about what? Where, where somewhere that might be the gate of this community, might be the gate of this little part of, of town. Right here at the end of Bethel Church Road and, and 15 South. Right? Like the sportsmen. That, that might be where we, where we all kind of huddle up, where we all meet, right? And so here's the thing. As you see there, he's gone to the gate, and the gate is kind of that important intersection. There's, there's merchants, there's business being conducted. It's also a, a place, as we see with the elders, to where the elders came to settle complaints and settle disputes. It was, in essence, a place of business. So that, if you get a, a picture of it, he, he's there at the gate where people are coming, going, they're conducting business, they're trading and doing things. And then look at what the text says. It says he sat down. I, I want to remind, there's somebody here this morning, I know without a shadow of a doubt, there's somebody here under the sound of my voice this morning that you need to be reminded of this. And what I saw in the text was that he had to wait. Now, by a show of hands this morning, how many of you enjoy waiting? Nobody? You know, that was the same in the first service, too. Nobody raised their hand. We, we don't like waiting, do we? I mean, we get mad. We go to the, we go to the drive-thru, and, and they pull us up past the window so they can make our food right. You know, it's like we're just so impatient. But listen... Boaz goes to the gate, he had to sit down, and he had to wait. And listen, this is the thing I think somebody in here might need to hear this morning. Sometimes in life, you don't have to fire off a text. You don't have to pick up that phone call and make that, but you need to sit down and you need to wait. What did we talk about a few weeks ago as I preached through Psalm 46? That be still, know that I am God. That we need to come to the realization that he is God and that we are not. So he was at the gate. He had to sit down. He, he couldn't fire off that text. He, he couldn't pick up that phone and, and rant and rave. And can I just, I, just a moment of transparency? Like, 
What have I told y'all a couple times in previous messages is the acronym HALT. Right before you get ready to make a decision, HALT. And ask yourself four questions. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? Now definitely don't make a decision when you're hangry. Right? When you're hungry and you're angry, that is not the best time to make a decision. But listen, as I saw this in the text this morning, and he had to wait, and, and I wrote down, just don't fire off that text. Can I, I, I just be transparent and say, man, there have been times in my life where I, I fired off that text, and, and it didn't do it. it. It caused more chaos and upheaval and friction than if I would have just sat down. There's something to be said about having a conversation in person with someone. Amen? Being face to face. And so as Boaz went to the gate of the city, he had to sit down and he had to wait. And what does Scripture say? And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Praise the Lord, right? We don't know how long he had to sit there, but he came by. And what do we know? As, as, as this Redeemer... Remember back in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, we were told, and now there, it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. This is that redeemer that is stopping by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. The, the, I don't know. Sometimes I get words and, and things, and I'm going to rinse and repeat, but you know what I wrote down beside this scripture? I wrote the word invite. He invited him to sit down. As we've been talking about recently, if we're going to make an impact for Christ and we're really going to be the people God has created us to be, who are we inviting to sit with us? Who are we inviting to have a meal with us? Who are we inviting into our lives? He said, turn aside, friend, and sit down. And he turned aside and he sat. Verse 2, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city, and he said, sit down here. And so they sat down. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. In essence, they took 10 men, 10 leaders, 10 elders. Because what did we talk about? This is a place of business. It's a place of travel. People are coming to and from. It's an important center of the community. So these elders are there to settle disputes and handle complaints. They're there to do business. And can I remind you of this? That you cannot, okay, the structure of, of most churches should be this way, that you have deacons. And a deacon first and foremost is a servant, deaconos. They are a servant. They are not the power brokers within the church of God, but they are first and foremost a servant. Then above that, you have what was called elders. I, Austin, we are elders. You call us pastors, but in essence, we are elders of the church. And here's the thing about an elder. An elder cannot be made. And you can't just like, I'm an elder. An elder is called by God. But as we see here in this text this morning, we need men of God who have been through things, right? Who have wisdom. But, 
But God isn't looking for men who have earthly wisdom. He's looking for men of God who have heavenly wisdom. Amen? Who are surrendering themselves and saying, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me clarity. Give me patience. Give me, uh, just give me focus. Right? Give me discernment of what you want me to do. And so the thing I want you to know about elders is, is they it's not something that happens in an instant. An elder will present themselves, and you will know them as such by their lifestyle and who they are. Are they perfect? No. But that's how they will present themselves. And I want to just pause here for a minute, and I want to remind you, listen, how we conduct business in the marketplace, but especially in God's house, matters. How we conduct business in the marketplace, but especially in God's house, matters. It's important. It's important how we handle ourselves and we handle the business of God that God has called us to. Verse 3, then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I'd tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Now, here in verse 5, I circle verse 5 because I want you to sometimes use your sanctified imagination, right? You're reading a, a recount. You're reading a story of what's happening in Scripture, right? And so sometimes we just read it, and we just speed read it, and we just go right through it. But sometimes I want you to just think about what's happening with the key players in here. And so Boaz is saying, look, hey, if you'll redeem this field, let me know. I want to know. Will you redeem it? And he says, I will redeem it. But then there's this shift, and Boaz comes back, and Boaz says, verse 5, then Boaz said, the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. In essence, it's a two for one, you don't get one without the other. Look at what he says. So we'll go back real quick before the, in verse 5. He talks about perpetuating the name of the dead. Basically, he's, he's in essence talking about restoring or to carry on the name of that family's name, of Elimelech's family's name. Then look at verse 6. And the Redeemer said... I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair, lest I endanger, lest I jeopardize my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Listen, he had to count the cost. I don't know about you today, but if you own land, if you own property, they ain't making no more land. Amen? So if you have land, you have something that's of value. And so here we see as the Redeemer comes, man, at first he's like, hey, you want to buy this land? You want to redeem this land and, and buy it? It's like, yeah. Hold up. It's a two for one. You get the land, but you also get Ruth. 
So was he selfish? I don't think he was selfish, but he counted the cost, and he saw there that if he was to buy it and to have Ruth, that in essence that he would have to, she would need to bear a child to continue that family's lineage. And you know what? That would mess up his own inheritance for his own children. And so he's saying, hey, man, it's going to endanger, it's going to jeopardize, it's going to impair my own inheritance. Nope, you take the right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. All right, let's look at verse 7 through 12. If you're taking notes this morning, just make a quick note. Go back and read it sometime in your quiet time if you want to. But here in verse 7 and following, we kind of, verse 7 and 8 especially, we see Deuteronomy 25, 7 through 9 being played out. It's kind of like the law, kind of like what was supposed to transpire. So let's read this in its entirety. I'll come back and unpack that as well. Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal, and he gave it to the other, and this was a manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders of all the people, You are my witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are my witnesses this day. Verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. All right, so let's go back. Let's look at this. So what you see here is the custom being played out in that day. In order to confirm the transaction, one drew off his sandal. Now, as I told the first service, they get this. This service, and our generation, not so much. Generation that sits, sits across there at 9 a.m., your parents and your grandparents, as they grew up, as they conducted business, they didn't take off their sandal. They shook another man's hand. And there was a day and time when a handshake meant something. Amen? Not so much for this generation. That's what we see playing out here. To confirm the transaction, he drew off his sandal. And he presented it. So I began to think about that. It's an outward sign of a decision. Friends, there is an outward sign of an inward transformation. It's one of the ordinances of the church. It's one of the sacraments that we're to continue 
and that is the act of baptism. Baptism itself does not save you. It is an outward sign of an inward transformation. Just like my wedding ring, which I seem to misplace while I had COVID. But anyway, just like our wedding bands that most people wear, it's an outward sign of an inward transformation. That does, if I, I'm missing mine right now, but that don't mean I ain't married. Now, somebody looking on, they might think I'm not, but they'll know I will if they get close. Amen. I'm going to talk about Kendall and talk about my love for her. But it's an outward sign of an inward transformation. And let me just talk very quickly about baptism. Baptism does not save you. Baptism is a beautiful picture of what happens when you humble yourself and you admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that as you are, as you are dunked underneath that water, that you are buried with Christ. And as you are raised from that water, it's like you being raised from that tomb with Jesus, that you are raised to newness of life. It's an outward sign of an inward transformation. So what we see here with this sandal being presented is is an outward sign of the decision that was made that day. Here, look really quickly in verse 10. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. So up until this point in Scripture, unless you had read all the way to the end of Ruth, it's here that we find out that she was married to Malon, that she was the widow of Malon. And then verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. And I want you to hear as I read this again that this is in essence their well wishes, but more importantly, their prayer. It's their prayer for what is transpiring. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you through this young woman. I I just want to ask you this morning, what are you praying over your loved ones? Are you praying that the Lord's will might be done? Are you praying that the Lord may open the storehouses of heaven and may bless your family, may bless your friends? Are you praying that that he would fill them with the knowledge, wisdom, as we talked about from Colossians chapter 1? What are you praying for your church? What are you praying for for Bethel? Now, I've told you time and time, first service didn't get this. See, this is what happens when you come to second service. You get something totally different. <clears throat> I'm through playing church. I, I don't want to just show up and go through the motions. And I'll stay here at Bethel as long as the Lord tells me to stay here. This, that's a simple fact. But the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Are we to have structure? Sure. Are we to have an order of worship? Sure. 
are we to do the are we to baptize people and to take communion yes that's what god is commanding are we to make disciples yes but what are we praying over the people in our lives You see, what's interesting is we've been studying Ruth, this chapters 1 through 3, there's been this expectation. And here we see as we close out chapter, as we kind of are studying the final chapter, chapter 4, we see that expectation turning into fulfillment. We, we saw in the beginning that there was emptiness, and now there's fullness, you know, there, there, may be one, there may be somebody here this morning that you feel very empty, that you don't feel worthy, you, you have questions, you have doubts, and can I just simply just lean into you this morning and say, keep pressing on, keep looking up, that, that just like Ruth and Naomi, what did they have to do? They had to keep pressing on, they had to keep moving forward in faith through the fear of the unknown, and to trust in all-knowing God. Because, friends, I can tell you that he'll take your emptiness and he'll turn it into, he'll, he'll fill it up. Amen? As, as we mentioned in the first service, that old hymn, you know, when we look to Jesus and we look full into his wonderful face, the things of earth grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. Keep looking up. Keep looking to Jesus. If you feel empty, if you feel like you don't measure up, if you feel like, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, I don't know how this is going to end, I don't know what's going to happen in my life, trust him. Trust him. Keep taking next steps. This morning as we kind of wrap up this message, kind of one of the main themes throughout the book of Ruth is that of redemption. What does it it mean for there to be redemption? It's a release that comes when a price is paid. At, At the root of redemption is the word redeem. It means to buy back, to free, to pay a price for. And so I've just come this morning to remind you that Christ's death on the cross at Calvary in the empty tomb paid for your sins. It is there when we acknowledge him, when we humble ourselves and we admit that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, when we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that it's there that he frees us from the bondage of sin upon our commitment to him as Lord and Savior. He is our Redeemer. As we talked about with Boaz, Boaz is a picture. He is a type of Christ. He was, he had the characteristics of who Jesus would be. And so here in the Old Testament, we see a a foreshadowing of who Christ would be in the New Testament. And it's a beautiful picture that Christ is our Redeemer. Let me just let me just kind of wrap some of this up. As we looked here in verse five and six, and we talked about you know the Redeemer, he had to kind of count the cost. He wanted the land, right? It's like, oh man, that's a great land. Ain't it? you know, it's, uh, land's good. But when he found out about Ruth, he's like, whoop, too much. I'll mess up my inheritance. Here's what I wrote in my notes. Unlike the world, Jesus doesn't, listen, 
Jesus doesn't want you because of what you have, what you can bring, or what he can get, but he loves you and he wants you. He wants to be a part of your life because of whose you are. It's not about what you can bring. It's not about what you have. It's not about what you can offer him, but it's about his love for you and you acknowledging that. Let me just tell you a moment of transparency as I had COVID. I was doing really good. Been in my devotional like, like six it was six days. I've been in there six days a week for weeks. COVID hit and like just screeching halt. Laying in bed, used it as a time of prayer. As we talked about this, as we sang right before I got ready to preach, what well, I need thee every hour. Man, I needed the Lord. Amen. And I needed the Lord for my wife. I'm praying for her. I'm praying for my kids. So there was a lot of time I spent time in prayer, and I read some verses, but I didn't go in my office and I didn't pull out my didn't pull out my Bible. But you know what? I just I stand before you today just to remind you that God sometimes you got to extend grace to yourself, right? That's what the enemy wants you to do. You get off track, you get out of your devotional, you get out of coming to church. Oh, I'll go next week. I'll go next week, or I'll, I'll open that tomorrow. I'll do that next Monday. You just wallow in that shame and in that guilt. Extend yourself grace. What did we talk about this morning? We're going to talk about that again in a minute about that question of the week. Let me tell you what. Maybe I'm just a slacker and just need to, I mean, I know I am. But listen, I I don't think it's coincidence. I got back where I was supposed to be because it was Thursday. See, that's kind of interesting to plan i've been reading so it's had a certain day so i was like i'm not gonna start on monday because i got wait i waited till thursday because <clears throat> that was the next day i was supposed to read let me let me just remind you and it speaks so truly of what we just talked about in this morning's message listen to what i was reminded of from ephesians chapter two but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in christ jesus that in the ages to come that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I ain't going to stop there because I'm going to include verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, it ain't about what you can bring. It ain't about what you got. It ain't about what he can get from you, but it's his love for you. Will you stop running? Will you turn to him and acknowledge who he is And so, Grant, if you will, what did we start with this morning? We started with a question. Put that question back up there for me. Again, you can't make this stuff up. God is good, and he is interweaving things in our lives. Who is the Redeemer? The answer is this. 
The only Redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, in whom God became man and bore the penalty for sin himself. The verse and truth that we need to cling to is there in 1 Timothy as Paul is reminding Timothy. He's reminding us this morning that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Friends, this morning, if you hear nothing else that I say, God, Christ Jesus himself is our redeemer and he came to redeem you and there's no way, there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you can give, there's no, I can be a good person, that you're going to earn your salvation. The only way, the only way is Christ himself. He is our mediator and he is our redeemer. And so this morning, I want to ask you as we leave, there are some of you here this morning that you maybe have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never realized that you have a Redeemer who has paid the penalty for your sins. I pray that you'd come and you'd find me or you'd find Pastor Austin or you'd shoot us a text and we'd sit down and let's have a conversation with it. I'm not going to judge you for that. You know what? Because 10 years ago, I, I was in a place where the Lord took me through the ringer and he was like, Chris, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own strength. He broke me. And thank God for the people who came along in my life and to help me to see who I was in Christ. Secondly, they're saying, hey, y'all ain't going to get off the hook. I'm saved. I'm good. No, hold up. What about your commitment? What about your commitment to Christ this morning? Are you committed to following him? Are you committed to knowing him and to knowing whose you are? And when you are, when you know who you are, are you committed to being his hands and his feet, to being his mouthpieces, as the youth used to say when I was in Turbyville? Are you willing to be his megaphone, his mouthpiece, to share his goodness and his graciousness that he offers all of us? It is grace through faith that we're saved. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the study of Ruth. God, I thank you for just this beautiful, beautiful story of redemption. God, thank you that, that I, I don't have to be good enough, Lord, that, that I can't give enough, that, that I can't act good enough to, to earn your love. But God, even while I was yet a sinner, that Christ died for me. He died for each and every person under the sound of my voice. He died for each and every person that you're going to place in our path today and this week. And so Father, I pray that we would learn to just surrender ourselves and to surrender our will and to get before you that you may give us confidence, that you may give us boldness, that we wouldn't be ashamed of what you've done and what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, that we would just share it, that we would just go out and proclaim what you're doing. Lord, that we would just point people to Jesus, that they may realize that there is hope, that there is a redeemer, that there is, there is forgiveness and that the bondages of, and the chains of sin and shame can be broken when we look to Christ. So, Father, I pray here this morning, if there is that one who hasn't met you, hasn't settled, and, and hasn't had that, that business meeting with you, Lord, they don't need all the, the elders, and they don't need all the people. They just need to get on their face before you and admit their need for a Savior. They admit their need for a Redeemer. 
And Father, it would be my honor, it would be Austin's honor, privilege, that the deacons here at this church, or, or someone who's maybe a Sunday school teacher, or, or just a faithful uh, attender, Lord, just that, that they just exude you, that they, they, they just exude that joy and radiance of Christ. Lord, I pray that they would just reach out. We're, we're not going to judge them, we're, we're going to love them through that. And Father, I pray secondly for that one here this morning that their, their commitment level just hasn't been where it is. Lord, I pray they just take that next step towards you. Lord, to, uh, being that door holder, to just be there to open the door, that they, they've experienced you and they want other people to experience you as well. Lord, shift their hearts from themselves to others. Lord, Lord you've saved us to be a conduit through whom your glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others. Lord, help us to be open. Help us to be willing. Lord, help us to make much of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray today, as you reminded me on the way here, Lord, today is a day of rest. And so I pray for that one here that came with a heavy burden. Lord, I pray that you would just they'd look to you. You tell us in your word that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So, Father, may we just cast that burden at your feet. May you help us to rest and renew. Lord, we don't know what the next phone call, the next person that walks into our office, the next text message we get, we don't know what's, what's coming around the corner. But God, prepare us. Lord, help us to look to you this week for strength and encouragement, love and grace and mercy. Lord, remind us of the great redemption of which you have redeemed us. Father, we ask that you would guide us and direct us in spirit and truth. Lord, help us to realize whose we are and how much you love us. Father, we ask all these things in the mighty and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.